Hello, Gator Nation, and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked on Gators. We're going to talk some recruiting on today's episode. We're going to push that back to Friday because on today's show, we're going to be joined by John Miller from the Locked on Mizzou podcast for a crossover episode. He and I will preview Saturday's matchup between the Gators and Tigers. I'll break down the game from the Florida side of things, and he will give us some thoughts and perspective on the Tigers and where their basketball team is at heading into Saturday. Could be an opportunity for Kerry Blackshear to have a big game because of an injury that Mizzou just had. Here was my conversation with John this week. I just kind of want to get the uh, general lay of the land from a Florida fan. How? First of all, let's just start on football just really quickly here. How are you all feeling at the end of the season here? Obviously, you put a pretty good beating on my Missouri Tigers, help ushering Barry Odom out, of the, out the door. How are you feeling about the Gators, and were you at all surprised that Missouri moved on from Odom after the season? No, I think things have kind of been trending that way, uh, you know, based on how the year played out. And, you know, they, they definitely had an opportunity to have a strong season when they got into the top 25 and they were undefeated. But just the way that they kind of tailed off there toward the end and, and had some of the struggles that they did despite having a you know, really high-profile grad transfer quarterback and some of the other pieces that they did, Missouri just decided that, you know, it was time to go in a different direction. And, uh, you know, that's that's a really tough move to make. But at the same time, they, they feel like they can have success there. They've been to the SEC championship. They've won some big games and beaten uh, some of the better opponents in the SEC. So they want to get back to that. And, uh, you know, we'll see if these coaching changes are for the better. But I, I definitely think from Florida's standpoint, definitely uh, a really good year, too, under Dan Mullen. They improved their win total from 10 to 11 wins. They improved kind of where they're going to finish in the season. I think they have a chance to be ranked just a little bit higher than they were last year, but another top 10 finish. And then even John carrying over to the recruiting trail, they've been doing a little bit better, I think, based on those on-field results. So still not to the point where they want to be, just like Missouri, which is in Atlanta competing for an SEC championship, but they definitely have made strides under Dan Mullen. By the way, speaking of Dan Mullen, I definitely think that Florida has the right guy there, but there was a bit of rumor that perhaps the Dallas Cowboys were sniffing around Dan Mullen. Do you have any feeling there that is there any chance that Dan would possibly look to go to the NFL at some point, or do you think he's in Florida for the long haul? Yeah, this, this was definitely a big topic of conversation when those reports kind of came out. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, as Dan Mullen said, he's he's really happy and I think grateful to be at Florida. He, he I don't even know if there is another job in college football that he would want, to be honest with you. Um, having said that, and the way that he likes how it's set up, because as, as he said earlier uh, before the bowl game, that he's kind of like, you know, the CEO and the GM and he's in charge, whereas at the NFL, definitely you're taking orders from some other people and it's not your team and all the decisions are not based on your judgment. And that's something that he likes. I think having that type of power in at Florida. However, I think any guy, especially someone that's competitive, like Mullen wants to try and be the best and wants to try to reach the top of their profession. 
And I think if that opportunity does present itself, as long as it's the right one in terms of the timing, in terms of the NFL team that he would be going to, certainly if the Cowboys would have came calling, and I had to tell Florida fans this, but there was no way that Dan Mullen would turn down an opportunity like that because he would have gotten to reunite with his college quarterback at Mississippi State, Dak Prescott. He would have been at one of the more high-profile jobs, obviously, in the NFL. And I think a situation like that would maybe draw him to the next level. Now, if he's going to have to go and be the NFL coach of a team that's coming off an abysmal season and an abysmal stretch, and they've gone through a bunch of head coaches in the last you know, six, seven years, that might not be a situation maybe where he wants to leave a good situation at Florida. So it, it all depends. But at the end of the day, like he said, he's not necessarily searching for it or, or yearning for it. But I do think if that chance comes along, I mean, what, what coach wouldn't want to take his chance to prove himself at the highest level, you know? Yeah. And sure. Certainly with a, you know, a generational type franchise like the Cowboys too. No, I think that's, it's a good take. Makes a lot of sense for sure. And uh, well, you know what? Let's transition to basketball, shall we? I got to be Absolutely. honest. Uh, I, I predicted. Uh, I think I said this to you when we previously talked. I predicted uh, the Gators were going to win the SEC. It seemed like they kind of got off to a bit of a slow start, but now when I've watched them, at least here uh, for a couple games, I saw their last game against South Carolina. Anyway, kind of seems like they're rounding into form and really are about really along with I'd say Auburn and Kentucky maybe LSU probably the probably about where they should be at the class of the league in my opinion where do you see Florida's basketball team right now yeah John it's been a very interesting season to say the least uh, as you're well aware they came into the year with so much high expectations because of the transfer of Kerry Blackshear Jr. as well as the additions a five-star freshman Scotty Lewis Treyman, as well as their other uh, freshman class that they brought in. It was a big group, and they had nine new additions to their roster. And I think that that kind of got overlooked in the grand scheme of things. People just saw this insertion of talent and, and thought that it was going to be immediate results, and that has not happened for the Gators. It was a struggle early on in the season in terms of trying to build chemistry on offense, figure every guy figure out their role, um, and just trying to gel as a group because these guys had never played together before, and you had a mix of – upperclassmen veterans and especially someone like Blackshear who was trying to find his new role within the team as well as a bunch of freshmen who are just trying to figure out college life and the speed of the game and and all those things that go into being a freshman so when Florida lost to Florida State they lost to uh, some of the other teams that they did early in the year there was I think cause for concern because people thought that they were going to be this juggernaut final four type of contender and uh, it's taken some time to, I think, really start to fill their potential and, and show what they're capable of. But they've had their moments this season. Certainly going out and winning that tournament that they did was was big for this team. And then to start SEC play the way that they have, you mentioned that the slow start, absolutely. They got down 21 against Alabama. You know, we've talked about ad nauseum just because of how historic of a comeback that it was for the Gators. That was the largest rally that they've ever had in school history to come back from 21 down they beat Alabama in their in their SEC opener then go on the road against South Carolina have a big victory and more importantly have Andrew Nemhar, their sophomore point guard put together a, a, a second game in a row of just his best basketball that we've seen from him had a career high 25 points against Alabama and then his first career double double against South Carolina 21 points 10 assists so 
he, he's really playing at a high level right now. And if Florida can keep that up and continue to just, I think, get better as a group, then they, they can maybe reach, like you said, some of those expectations that many had for them going into the year. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, Nimbard. He's one of those, you know, along with other than Blackshear, who's a new guy in his own right, even though he's a senior, all their so-called experienced players, for the most part, like Keontae Johnson and Andrew Nimbard, are sophomores. But yeah, I was actually really impressed with his game against South Carolina. When I watched, to me, he just looked like a guy who could get to his spots when he wanted, under control, just the good lead guard that you want in college basketball. And he, he likes that step back three, too, that all the kids like these days watching James Harden. But that shot's kind of a line drive, but seems to be effective for him, though. Is, is he one of the more elite point guards or lead guards in the country now, do you think? Or am I overreacting just from watching one good game? Well, I, I do think that that's where he's trying to put himself in that position. And, and I think that coming back for his sophomore season and making that decision to not go and enter the NBA draft was probably really wise uh, by Andrew in hindsight, just because of the way that we've seen him able to improve his game from his first year to his second. And, you know, he, he's now getting himself to the point where now when he does look to turn pro, he could be one of the better point guard prospects coming out of college. And he wasn't that last year. I mean, maybe he would have gotten drafted or, or found a way on a team, but he still had so much improvement in his game that, that needed to take place. And and throughout the course of the season, it's, it's starting to show up. And, and I think the biggest thing is, what he's been able to do as a scorer, there's no doubt that he's he's confident out there on the floor, and, and he feels like he's got the ability to score in a variety of ways. And the the one thing that's I think always been interesting, I guess you could say, John, is he kind of moves the ball really slow. He dribbles it slow up the court. He runs the offense at a very slow pace, and for a long time, I think it frustrated fans. Um, but I think we're starting to see now that that's just the the way that he plays. But once he kind of gets into his offensive set and he was reading defenses, he's got amazing passing ability and court vision, and he's really starting to put that on display. And I think fans are maybe getting over the pace of his play and really just starting to appreciate all the skill sets that he's showing off. Yeah, maybe it's okay to move deliberately as long as your mind is moving quickly. And it seemed like when I was watching anyway, he was seeing the game very, very well, I thought. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, the, the other thing, too, is I, I mentioned all those new pieces. I, I think when we talk about these guys trying to gel and learn how to play together as a group and build chemistry, I think the guy that that was probably hardest for was Andrew Nephard because he's the point guard and he's in, in charge of running the show and, and kind of facilitating everything, especially on the offensive end and finding ways to um, – you know, figure out how he needs to feed guys and how he needs to set players up and how he needs to move um, within the offense is all things that's taken time. Um, but he's starting to get it. And some of the passes that he made against the Gamecocks were just incredible. And he, I think, is starting to build that trust with his teammates to now, if he puts a pass in a certain area, he knows that they're going to be there. Um, and, and for Florida, that has just made a world of difference in what they're able to do on the offensive end. You mentioned that a nice freshman class here for the Gators, Scotty Lewis, probably the headliner there. How would you, how would you evaluate his game so far this season? Yeah, it's interesting, John, because 
you know, he coming into the year obviously was was the big piece in Florida's class. He was even certainly more highly touted and recruited than the other five-star freshman, Trey Mann. But I think that Trey Mann probably early on in the season had a better start and just showed more flashes than Scotty Lewis did. It was a struggle, I think, early on for him to more than anything, find his role. And, I, you know, you, you, you go from being this, this star in high school where you can do anything that you want to on the court and you're the star of the team and all this and that to where you come into this situation and you're coming off the bench and you're a role player and you have to kind of find your way. And it was it was it, it took him time to do that. And now he's starting to get over that hump and the energy that he brings to the court now that he's not even so much worrying about what he needs to do when he's just able to go out there and play. Um, it's really showing up. I mean, the last two games he's had 15 points. He was named SEC Freshman of the Week for his performance against Alabama. Uh, and, and when he gets in the game, I think he does raise the level of play of everyone on the court. He, he just has that type of energy. And it was interesting, John, uh, in that game against Alabama, the SEC opener in the O-Dome, the Crimson Tide players were actually taunting scotty uh in the first half and, and and really riding him from the bench saying that you know he, he can't make shots he, he was struggling from the floor and he was kind of able to overcome that and, and have just a monster second half and overtime performance to help the gators uh pull off that historic comeback so i think that was maybe a, a key moment for him in this freshman season you know kind of dealing with some harassment dealing with the adversity of the game and, and still turning out his best performance thus far. Um, I think at this point now, he, he might even be in his progression a little bit further along than Trey Mann was early on in the year. Well, it seems like a good sign for the Gators. And yeah, like I said, it seems like they're trending in the right direction to me. So, well, I don't want to hog all the hog the reins here. Why don't you go ahead and uh, turn the tables on me and feel free to ask me about Missouri if you want, Zach. Yeah, for sure, John. I know you mentioned certainly not the uh, the start to the season that that they've wanted. Uh, you know, coming off some some conference losses to Kentucky and, and Tennessee, uh, they got a win recently over Illinois. What do you think of the way that their season has played out thus far? I mean, have there been some moments uh, that have been bright spots for them? Oh, sure. There's definitely been some bright spots in this season, no doubt about it. But overall, it's definitely been a disappointment, at least to Missouri fans. Now, famously, at least in the preseason around these parts, Missouri was picked to finish 13th in the conference. And basically, everybody around Columbia, particularly our coach, Conzo Martin, thought that that was pretty ridiculous, right? Well, unfortunately... We're not looking like we're 13th, but we're looking like we're closer to that than we are 4th or 5th, where I had us finishing in the preseason, let's put it that way. And like you said, we beat Illinois. That was a big positive, but unfortunately, may have been a red herring, unfortunately, like last year's Illinois victory was, because last year we struggled as well. Again, it's just the really disappointing thing is now Jeremiah Tillman, our center, is going to be out with a stress fracture for maybe a month or so, maybe two months, something like that. And it's the third straight year where we've just had a devastating injury under Conzo. And it's just, man, the frustrating thing is not only that, the injuries, but also just, you know, the offense. Just we can't ever seem to get an offense going these last couple years. And we're just starting to wonder a little bit, as much as we love Conzo's hard-nosed defense and attitude, I think a lot of fans, including myself, are starting to wonder if 
the offense is ever going to get better. If this is just who Conzo is and we're always going to be stuck in the mud with this slow-tempo, low-efficiency offense, it's getting a little bit old, to be honest. For sure, no, and, and that's definitely got, got to be, I think, frustrating for the fan base to be dealing with. What do you think about some of the pieces that they have and, and the players that have stood out so far this season? I know uh, you know, the, both of the Smiths are averaging 11 points per game. What have you seen from them so far this year? Well, the thing about Mark Smith is, just to start with him, his overall numbers look pretty good. For instance, okay, he's shooting almost 40% from the three-point line on the year. That's obviously a good number, but when you really start breaking it down, what he did against his two SEC opponents, then plus you know, against anybody else in like the top 50 or 60 or so of Ken Palm, not nearly as productive. And three of those three-pointers, in fact, he hit like in the last minute or two against Oklahoma, basically against garbage time. So he really hasn't been nearly as productive as what those stats, his season stats would tell you. I hate to say it. It's been a lot of production against lesser competition. Now, as for Drew Smith, he transferred from Evansville a couple years ago, sat out last year. He's been good. He's been very solid, and he's probably been our best player overall, I would say. Honestly, though, he probably got a little bit too much hype in the offseason. Guys were calling him, like, the perfect player on his team, for instance. <laughs> I mean, really, that word was bandied about. And he's been really good. He's, I'd say he's got at least one NBA skill, which is he can whip passes with either hand to the opposite corner in in a very advanced way. But, you know what, his shooting hasn't been quite as good as we expected, although it's picked up here lately. Overall, he's been good, but unfortunately, really just almost the whole team's been a little bit disappointing, save maybe freshman Kobe Brown and senior Mitchell Smith with a nice kind of senior come-on season here. But, yeah, just just overall a bit of a disappointment. For sure. And you mentioned the injury now that Missouri – Uh, is dealing with who now steps up in his place well you know that's the question the obvious answer is Reed Nico uh, the backup center he's a senior started the game with Jeremiah Tillman out but frankly I would like to see more of Trey Jackson who we did see previously he's more of an athletic sort of forward combo forward type as well as as Kobe Brown who's played a lot you know, I think those two guys together make for an interesting combo that I would like to see see what they can do. I think defensively, Kobe can cover for some of what Trey Jackson, maybe some of the mistakes he'll do defensively. Now, we won't have a rim protector in this lineup whatsoever, but I, I just think offensively we've got to get out of the mud a little bit and maybe just a couple more athletic forwards together, one who can pass, one who can score, I don't know. Maybe that's a good combo. That's just something I'm thinking we need to look at. Definitely. Now, these teams are just getting into SEC play, John, but they do already have a common opponent in Xavier. The Gators lost earlier in the season, earlier in the season, 70 to 65, and Missouri lost in overtime, 63 to 58. Can you talk to us just about that game and, and the common opponent that these two teams did, did, do have and, and how Missouri fared against Xavier? You know, that was one of uh, Missouri's better showings, really. I mean, certainly Xavier, Xavier, I should say, is a – see, we have we have Xavier and we've got an ex-Xavier on Missouri's team, so I get very confused. But anyway, <laughs> Xavier, that game – no, Missouri played quite well there and frankly should have won if not for a botched switch at the last – the last like the last possession of the game for the Musketeers, essentially, 
They hit a three-pointer, tie the game, send it into overtime. Essentially, Xavier, Xavier Pinson and Javon Pickett got confused, miscommunication, left the guy wide open for three. Really, that was a game Missouri should have won, to be quite honest. And when Missouri plays its game, when it can get its opponents down in the mud with them, which I think it did in, against Xavier, you notice it was 63-58 final in overtime, not exactly – not exactly showtime basketball there. So when Missouri sure. can sort of drag its opponent, get it to play slowly, and you know obviously play good defense, they can win. But if you're an opponent that's going to score 70 points, we're in deep trouble. No doubt. And then kind of speaking to that, John, as we get into Saturday night's matchup, certainly Florida is the favorite in this game. But for Missouri to find a way to get a win, what in your estimation is it going to take from the Tigers and what do they need to do against Florida to make that happen? Well, quite simply, they're just going to have to find a way to score. You know, I mean, without Tillman, they've never had, even when he was still in there, when he was still not injured, I should say, when he was out of the game, Missouri never, in my opinion, had a great plan of what to do offensively. So quite simply, they've just got to figure out what kind of what kind of offense, what kind of plays, whatever it is, what player, what pick and roll combination, what can they do to get easier baskets because right now they have a real real hard time getting easy shots definitely and i think the key one key for missouri has been i think a key for every team facing florida is trying to neutralize carrie blackshear and kind of take him out of the game and most importantly get him into foul trouble that is something that he has struggled with throughout this season and teams have been able to do that and get him to the bench and, and when that happens Florida's just not as dynamic as they are with him on the floor and I will give Kerry credit because against that uh, uh, Alabama game, I mean, he was playing with four fouls for, for over 10 minutes and was, was really able to play discipline and, and, and let guys go by him. But he, he's kind of been, I think, the one – X factor for Florida is, is when he's on the floor and he's out of foul trouble, the Gators are, are offense is always running at at its best. And then when he's in foul trouble or just, or just not having it, um, the Gators don't really operate in the same fashion. So that I think will definitely be a key for Missouri on Saturday. Yeah. I, I'm disappointed that Tillman is not going to get to face Blackshear because it does seem like Tillman can't does seem to step his game up at times against those bigger opponents and the quality opponents like somebody like Blackshear and and just because of his size I certainly expect that we'll see Reed Nico start again and yeah obviously if Missouri can somehow get Blackshear into foul trouble early and you know anytime you're on the road in the SEC or any conference in college basketball that can definitely happen to you all it takes is one weird whistle and you can be be out the rest of the half something like that for sure definitely man well that game will tip off on saturday at 7 30 uh looking forward to seeing these two teams go at it it's uh crazy man that we're already into conference play man this basketball season is just moving right along is it not i know things move too quickly college football really moves too quickly but yeah now we're into sec basketball already it's 2020 i'm stunned hey can i just ask you one random question before we get out of here absolutely man who is considered the best florida gator basketball player ever is it joakim noah is it al horford who is it it's got to be one of those two right because the back-to-back titles well you know what's funny is um the guy who owned a lot of the record books uh here at florida was vernon maxwell and uh vernon nice uh, yeah and he kind of uh, obviously got 
wiped out because of the issues that he had with the NCAA. So I would say probably uh, Al Horford. I think that definitely in college, Joe Kim Noah was the most popular player. And I think maybe a few years removed from those back-to-back national championships uh, when he was still playing and a prominent player in the NBA, uh, he probably had that title. But I think over time, Horford has kind of surpassed him just because of the longevity of his NBA career, how good of a player that he's been. And I I still think that where he was as a player in college and what he did was a little bit more dominant than Joe Kim Noah, who took time to develop at Florida, but obviously developed into a really, really outstanding player. So it it would come from there, you know, but you got the Jason Williams uh, of the world. uh, Mike Miller. Yeah, Mike Miller. I mean, They've had some incredible basketball players. Uh, Don't say Andrew DeClerc. Don't say Andrew DeClerc. <laughs> no, <laughs> I used to I make think... fun of DeClerc when I was a kid. That's for my buddies out there. I don't think I don't think he would make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> so, By the way, well, John, no, was I was just going to say, I, I got to say one more thing. You know, there was that famous line I, as I was looking up those old Florida guys. There's that famous line in No Country for Old Men when Javier Bardem says, what's the most you've ever lost? on a coin flip well i can promise you if i was the owner of the phoenix suns death from that guy would seem like a welcome respite from losing the coin flip that got me neil walk a a florida great instead of lou alcinder because that is a thing that happened (laughs) a coin flip decided lou alcinder went to the bucks instead of the phoenix suns brutal yeah and that's something (laughs) that's something you don't ever forget no, it's not. So, Neil Walk, sorry, buddy. You you have to be a trivia question forever. But you know what? Hey, thanks for indulging me on that at the end there, man. I appreciate it. No, for sure, man. It was uh, <laughs> it was great to catch up with you again, man. Always good to get some uh, Missouri perspective and, and give you some some of the things from the Florida side. So, uh, should be hopefully a great game on Saturday. And like I said, man, I'm glad that Hoops is back. Absolutely. Well, hey, thanks, Zach. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate John for joining me once again for another crossover episode. And that'll do it for the latest edition of Locked on Gators on today's. Hello Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. Show John and I previewed Saturday's matchup between Florida and Mizzou. On tomorrow's episode, we will get into some Florida football recruiting talk. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked On Gators, your team every day.